It's so special to be able to sing that song together, us declaring that he is holy forever. And we're going to actually talk a bit about that today, talk a bit more through that today. And we're going to share a story. But before I get to that story, this term, we've been able to see our kids participate in sports carnivals and cross country. And if you have grandkids or kids or you've seen kids about, they will have had um, their sports carnivals and stuff over this past term or in the terms leading up to this. And I wanted to just share a quick little story of our kids and how they ran their races. So Abigail had to run a 500-metre cross-country race, which is a long way when you have little legs and little lungs. She, she said it was really hard, but she didn't quit. She gave it her best shot. And as she was running, she got about halfway through and she was running and she prayed and she said, God, I need your help. Or please help me, Jesus, get through this race. And one of her friends was running next to her and she said, you have your eyes open. You can't pray with your eyes open. It was a good thing she had her eyes open though because she was running. But I thought that was just a beautiful picture of how when we're running the race, we can cry out to Jesus and we should have our eyes open while we're running the race. The other race we got to see was Josiah had his very first ever running race in kindy. I don't know how far that was, maybe 80 metres. Um, but we were able to stand at the end and watch him run. So parents were able to stand there and cheer their kids on. The thing was, Josiah didn't realise that we were at the end cheering him on. And so they start preparing the kids to run the race. The teacher at the, the start of the race says, eyes out front and like, get ready and go. And he's running, kind of just looking around as he goes. And then Jonathan and I are standing at the end and I'm there, this mum that's just cheering as loud as I possibly can. I'm yelling out, Josiah, run. And he about like two metres from the finish line, he saw us, he locked his eyes on us and he had this big smile and ran as fast as he could towards us. And I was like, buddy, you did it. You did a great job. But it also made me think of this race that, we're running this race and this journey of faith and how so often we are looking around, if only we would fix our eyes on the one who is cheering us on at the end and just run straight towards them. That person is Jesus. And so we're actually going to start today off with a story. Now we read this story right after these cross carnival or cross country carnival things and it was very timely because this book is about running the race. And it's called Adam Raccoon and the Race to Victory Mountain. So if you're a kid or you want to see the pictures on this book, they'll also be up on the screen. Um, but I'm going to come and sit down and read this book together now. So children, come to the front or children at heart. <laughs> Story time. <laughs> so this book is a very special book. This was actually gifted to Jonathan, my husband Jonathan, when he was five years old by... Um, Mrs. B. Brown, so that's Bev Brown, but it's not the Bev Brown that we know here. Some of you know this Bev Brown as Pastor Brian Brown's wife, back when Pastor Brian was our pastor here, um, but this is long before that. So um, this is a very precious book, and it's called Adam Raccoon and the Race to Victory Mountain, and on the first page, there's a map of the race that they had to run. Yeah, cool. Okay. Start. Yep, we're going to start. Okay, it says, boing, hop, skip, 
Adam McCroon tried out his new running shoes as he practiced for tomorrow's race to Victory Mountain. I'm going to win, Adam said as he circled King Aaron. Just remember to keep your eyes on the course, Adam. It can be a little bit tricky. Don't worry about me, King Aaron. I know how to run a race, Adam called back and bonk. How did that tree get there? You got off course, King Aaron answered as he helped Adam up. It's easy to get off track, but when you do, get back on the course and finish the race, King Aaron said as as leading Adam home. The next morning, excitement filled the air as all the runners gathered at the starting line and began to warm up for the big race. You can see all the different animals there getting ready to run. There are snails there too, that's right. The next page says, a shadow figure whispered down to Adam, want to buy a shortcut map to Victory Mountain? What do I need that for? Adam asked suspiciously. Just in case you fall behind, this map will show you a quick and easy way to the top. The map floated down into Adam's hand. I'm sure I won't need it, Adam said, as he stuffed the map into his pocket. Just then, King Aaron spoke. The race is about to begin. You start at sunup and have until sundown to make it to the top of Victory Mountain. Remember to follow the red flags. What counts is finishing the race. Everyone who stays on course and doesn't quit will win. I'll see you at the top. And off King Aaron ran to Victory Mountain. He had run this race before and he would be waiting at the finish line long before the others arrived. Everyone waited anxiously for the race to begin. Suddenly, a beam of sunlight stretched across the master's wood and the race was on. Adam immediately dashed out ahead of the others. See, Adam's at the very front. This is going to be easy, Adam told himself. Over a bridge, past farms and orchards, they ran, coming to Ruby's honey stand. Adam slowed down as he smelled the sweet aroma of warm biscuits and honey. He couldn't resist. It won't hurt to stop for a quick taste, Adam reasoned, and sat down. Four plates of biscuits and honey later, Adam decided it was time to go. Thanks, Ruby. I've got to get back in the race and catch up with the others. But he was a much fatter raccoon now and not nearly as fast as before. He was filled up on all those cookies. It was well past noon when Adam reached the old fairgrounds. He was fascinated by all the old deserted fairgrounds and found it hard to keep his eyes on the course. Seeing his reflection in the crazy house of mirrors, Adam decided to take a quick detour through it. He loved how one mirror made him look like a strong man and another like a long-legged basketball player. But as he tried to find his way out, no matter which way he turned, he bumped into another mirror. Then, out of the corner of his eye, he saw something red and he ran towards it. It was one of King Aaron's flags. 
he was back on course again. Past the thundering forever falls he ran. The sun was beginning to set and Victory Mountain was still a long way off as Adam entered the lost woods. Coming to a place where the path divided, Adam took out his map. This must be the shortcut, he thought. For a moment, Adam hesitated as he remembered King Aaron's words, stay on course. But I'll never finish the race in time. This is my only chance. And Adam raced down the shortcut, following it up a twisting narrow ledge and across an old rope bridge. But the bridge crumbled under his feet. Adam sat exhausted and defeated. If only I had stayed on course, like King Aaron said, now look at me. I quit, he said with a sigh. Don't quit. Get back in the race. Adam was shocked. King Aaron, you can still make it if you don't delay, King Aaron encouraged him. So with King Aaron running alongside him and with all the strength he could muster, Adam got back on course and he raced up the steep mountain. In one final mighty effort, Adam fell across the finish line as the last ray of sunshine disappeared behind Victory Mountain. That evening, King Aaron led the winners to the Victory Mountain Hall of Fame. There, as he presented a trophy to each one of them, no one was more thrilled than Adam Raccoon. And that's the end of the story this morning. So, I have some questions for the kids out the front. What just happened? What did we read? What, what happened with Adam Raccoon? He was running quick, quick yeah. What happened? Just... He, got he got distracted. <laughs> yes. He was going to quit? What happened? He went the wrong way. Anything? And then he continued. That's right. So... He went to Honey Farms, that's right. So for the kids here this morning, because it's their first week of the holidays, I have some colouring ins because they listen so well. And these colouring ins are very special. Can you take the book back for me, please? Because they are all from the book. So if you can take them and hand them out, Josiah, then you can colour them in and continue to listen as we kind of expand on what we just read with the kids this morning. So you... If you know your Bible, you probably picked up on a Bible verse that connects to what we just read. And it's the theme verse for today. It's Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, which says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame and He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This verse is a very precious verse to me. I remember reading it when I was in high school, just before or prior to my baptism. And I realized, so I was 
in grade 12 and I realized that I needed to throw off some things in order to run this race. So I was 16 at the time. The thing is now 12 years later, I still have things that I'm throwing off as I run this race. I wasn't sure of the things that I'm throwing off now when I was 16. I threw stuff off then, still throwing stuff off now. Why? Because following Jesus isn't just a one-time prayer. It's a daily choice. And so as we make this daily choice to follow him, to submit to him, there are going to be things, different parts of our lives that he show us, shows us, that he encourages us in, that he tells us we need to work on. So today, it's what we're talking about. We're talking about how to run this race of faith, just as Adam Raccoon ran the race to Victory Mountain. And the imagery of this is all throughout Scripture. It talks about faith, this journey of faith like an Olympic sport, in particular, a running race. And so with sport, or people running a race, it's a really good image. So the thing is, sometimes... I can feel like Adam Raccoon as I'm running this race of faith. So I've given my life to Jesus. I've been baptized and then I'm walking or running in faith with him. And then sometimes there's this cookie stand and I just get distracted and I eat maybe five plates of cookies and milk. Adam Raccoon only had four. Sometimes I just get distracted. And it's not necessarily that milk and cookies are really horrible for me. They do fill me up. They're not that great and they're not going to help me keep running faster. If you're training for a race, you don't eat milk and cookies. Other times I get distracted by my own reflection. I stumble off course, bumping into things, struggling to find the course or the flags that Jesus has put there, marked out the race for me. Running this race of faith is hard because it's a daily choice that we have to make, but it is so worth it. In the book, it talked about if everybody finished this race, whoever made it to the finish line, they received a trophy. And it talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person wins the prize. So we need to run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So how do we start running this race of faith? How are we running? How do we know if we're running? And the thing is, you have to start running. You can be in a race and you can sign up, you can be part of it, kind of, but then you don't start running. You just stay around the finish line. Or you can start running, but then you get too tired and so you don't finish the race. Well, to be running in this race, we need to have a relationship with Jesus. We have to know Him as Lord of our lives, know Him in our hearts. You can't run this race of faith without accepting Jesus Christ as Lord because this race, this journey, is our journey with Jesus. There are some people out there who have heard of this race, but they choose not to run. There's some people out there who want to be part of this race, this journey of faith, but they're not quite sure. There are other people out there who don't even know that there is, that Jesus is real. And so in the story, in the book that we just read, in the imagery, 
They started to run the race when the sun rose. And anyone who made it before sunset received a prize. I'm going to translate this. Everybody started when the sun rose. So like when you accept Jesus, you have the sun in your hearts, the sun rose. But anyone who did not make it, they were left in darkness because the sun had set. We've run out of time. If we've run out of time in running the race, the Bible says that we'll be in spiritual darkness. So how do you know if you're running? Do you know if you are running? First step, have you accepted Jesus into your life? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Do you acknowledge that he is a Lord or have you been born again? This is very important and key because we cannot run this race without Jesus. Go color in for me, buddy. Okay, he's all right. You go color in. Or you can hang on to my leg and I'll just keep sharing. (laughs) Okay, so Jesus is the one who gives us those new shoes to run in. He is the one who sets us on the right track. Prior to this, prior to having Jesus in our lives, we were probably running the opposite direction or away from him towards sin. The Bible tells us that this is where we all start. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody starts like this. We don't know Jesus. We don't understand the weight of our sin until somebody tells us. And when somebody tells us, then we have the opportunity to make a choice. And so if we make that choice and we say we want to follow Jesus, John 14, 6 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Only through Jesus that we can run this race. And Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you believe that today? When we come to know Jesus, the sun shines in our hearts. We get these new shoes and we can start running the race. We know that he's in our lives because our lives are changed. We are not the same. We repent of our sin. We know that the Holy Spirit is in us and we have this new desire, this excitement to read his word. We have this excitement to pray and we want to tell people about him. It's this exciting moment. And if you remember that moment you gave your life to Jesus and you remember that fire that was in you, that's how you know. You know that the Holy Spirit has been Put into you. And so as we run, he's gone before us. He's marked up the track. All we have to do is stay on course, fix our eyes on Jesus. And so in order to keep on running, the next point is we need to throw off sin. Throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Now, not everything we need to throw off is sin. There are gonna be some things in our lives that just hinder us in our walk of faith. And we just need to get rid of them because they are not helpful. They're not helpful and they don't help us to focus on Jesus. But I believe those hindrances can become sin if God has asked us to deal with that thing and then we refuse to deal with it. It's like he said, hey, you need to fix this. And we continue to ignore that We've refused to obey him. So what are those things in our lives that we need to throw off? Each one will be kind of different for each of us, 
because we have a different relationship. We have different relationships. We have different families. We're unique individuals. But then also a lot of them are going to be the same for everyone because it's written in God's word. And that's what we're called to obey. He does not expect someone though who has been walking with Jesus for one hour to be at the same point in the journey as somebody who's been walking with Jesus for 20 years. He meets us where we're at. He walks with us and journeys with us where we're at. The thing is, we need to have hearts that are obedient. We need to be wanting to grow closer to Him. We need to be wanting to journey with Him. He will grow us as we start to listen and obey and start to throw those things off that hinder us. And so we're going to jump to another scripture passage, Galatians chapter five. And Galatians five, is, it just is this beautiful thing that shows us what we need to throw off. So starting in verse 16, Paul writes, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. If you recognise that there is a battle in you when certain things pop up in life, pay attention because that might be something that the Holy Spirit is saying, we need to work on this together. That might be something the Holy Spirit is saying, we need to throw this off and work on this together. Pastor Ron talked about this last week, the things of our sinful nature, the things that our flesh wants to do. We're constantly at war with these things. I kind of basically call these things, things that my mind and my body want. Things that I just find easier because it's what my body wants and what my mind wants. So if I see ice cream, I'm going to want ice cream. I shouldn't eat five tubs of it. So the Holy Spirit in me says, let's read the Bible so that we can grow, so we can understand. But my body and my mind say, I'm tired or I don't have time today. I'm just going to push that to the side. The Holy Spirit says, let's go to that prayer meeting today really important to be praying together with other believers, but my mind and my body say, I'm too busy, I don't have time, or it's too much effort. The Holy Spirit says, talk to that person about me. But my mind and my body say, it's too embarrassing, they're not going to want to listen, and I'm going to look like a fool. The Holy Spirit says, don't write that email, be slow to speak. But the body and mind says, word vomit all my anger and send. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. The sinful nature wants to entangle us. It wants to trap us. But Hebrews tells us to throw it off. Galatians 5, starting in verse 19 says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. If we weren't sure what we need to throw off, 
This is a basic list of those kinds of things. Things that we are at war in ourselves with. Some things may be very clear to you as you read through that passage. Others, you may need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what that is to you. Remember, these things can be very sneaky and you might think, I'm living a good life, I'm a good person, but it's not always so obvious. See, idolatry is not necessarily having an idol set up in your home. Idolatry is anything that we put before God, anything that I give all my time and attention to becomes an idol in my life. Selfish ambition, maybe something that's very internal. Nobody may be able to see it, but you know that that's what's in your heart. Ambition is important. Don't get it confused with selfish ambition, which is all about ourselves. Sorcery doesn't mean that you're necessarily casting spells on people, but what are you allowing into your life that has roots back to that kind of thing? These things are sneaky and you may not know that they are there. So ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you different things he wants you to throw off in your life. But the other thing is you could be carrying this huge weight and trying to run the race and it's really, really hard and you don't even realise that it's this heavy weight. So ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him to show you those things. But then again, you might not realise it because all the other Christians you know do it. All the other Christians you know do this thing and so it must be okay because Christians are doing it, right? That's fine. But the thing is, we're not meant to rely on what other Christians are doing or saying. Don't rely on what other Christians do or say because we aren't meant to follow other Christians. We are meant to follow Christ. Don't follow other Christians, follow Christ. Yes, you should be able to follow what other Christians are doing, but always check it with Scripture. I know that I don't always get it right, Always check things with Scripture. Follow Jesus. You will know that you are following Him when you see the fruits of the Spirit growing in you. So Galatians 5.22 talks about this further on. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. This is what it is to throw off those things that hinder us. We nail them to the cross We choose to recognise what they are, be specific about what they are, and nail them to the cross saying, I am not carrying this anymore. Jesus actually took that for you when he died on the cross so that we don't have to carry that anymore. But so often we hold on to these things. We keep carrying them ourselves, even though he's called us to be free of that, to let those things go. So choose the Holy Spirit in every part of our lives. That might seem a bit extreme saying, I need to follow the Holy Spirit in every part of my life, but it's the best way to live. How do you follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of your life? Self-discipline. 
we become disciplined in our faith. So 1 Corinthians 9, 24, we're gonna read it again and going to 27. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, only one person gets a prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it for a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I, this is Paul writing, I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do as it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. This is Paul writing this. Paul who wrote half the New Testament or basically all of the New Testament, most of the New Testament. He says that he needs to discipline like an athlete does. Otherwise, he fears he might be disqualified. Paul, who shared the gospel with people when he was in prison. Paul, whose life was changed by Jesus. We read his testimony in Acts. He disciplines his body. So if Paul had to discipline himself in spiritual practices, we should too. Warren Wesby, the Christian author is quoted as saying, if Christians were putting into their spiritual walk the kind of disciplines that athletes put into their chosen sport, the church would be pulsating with revival life. If Christians were putting into their spiritual walk the kind of discipline that athletes put into their sport, that would be amazing. We would have so much life. So much hope. Imagine if the church, the church, had that kind of discipline. If people who call themselves Christians were so disciplined in their faith, it would be a completely different kind of church. Now, I'll be honest with you. Some things I really struggle with in this self-discipline. Other things, I'm like, I can do that. Some things are really hard. In your sermon notes this week, I actually challenge you, and if you didn't grab some sermon notes, that's okay. I'm gonna challenge you with this as well. Think about things that an athlete does to train. And so on the back, there's like this list of things that an athlete does. They think about what they're eating, what nutrients they're getting, vitamins or nutrients, how much water they're drinking. They think about how much time they're training. Then they also think about competing. Then they also have a coach or they're probably potentially coaching as well. Think of different li- the, a list of how an athlete trains and they put a spiritual version next to that. So it could be, for an example, athletes are aware of what they eat. What are we fueling ourselves with? If we are training like an athlete, but in our spiritual walk, walk with Christ, what are we fueling ourselves with? How are we fueling ourselves Hebrews 5, verse 11 to 14 says this. There is so much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others, but instead you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. 
But solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognise the difference between right and wrong. You cannot grow and just live on milk your whole life. You cannot be a healthy athlete and only consume milk and cookies. And so if we are going to run this race, we need to be fueling up on more than just a Sunday morning service because that's the equivalent of just having milk every day. It's not enough to get us through this race of faith. So I encourage you to go through that list or ask God about this list and ask him to reveal to you the things that you need to put in place in your life so that you can be spiritually disciplined. And we probably already know what half of them are and he can reveal the rest to us. The final thing we do is we run this race by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Persevere and fix your eyes on Jesus. Just like Josiah, when he ran his race and he wasn't focused on the end of the race, he wasn't looking at us, but when he did, he ran straight and he ran as fast as he could. We need to be just like that, fixing our eyes on Jesus, focusing at the end and recognizing that he is there cheering us on. When we focus on Jesus, everything else falls into place, into its right place. We will know what we need to stop doing. We'll know what we need to start doing. We will be developing the fruit of the Spirit because He is the one producing the fruit in us. So perhaps this morning you recognize that there is this struggle, there is this battle, and you want to throw things off, but it just seems too hard. It seems impossible. There is hope. See, that's why Jesus came into this world as well, because he knew that we couldn't do it alone. He sent us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And so if you've accepted Jesus as Lord, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And he wants to help you. If you ask him, he will open up your eyes and your heart to understand the scriptures. And he will show you those things that are right and wrong. He gives us the desires in our hearts if we ask him. He will put those desires in our hearts. All we have to do is just ask. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Ask him to help. Ask him to give you a renewed passion, a passion for him, a passion for prayer, a passion for his word, a passion to share the gospel. Ask him for that passion. And as you pray that each day, he will give you that. And I know that because I've seen it in my own life. See, God has been convicting me and challenging me of things, just as I said, God asked me to throw things off when I was 16 and the things that I threw off then are different to the things that I'm throwing off now, but he's asking me to throw things off. And I've seen him work in our family as I've started to pray and ask God, maybe not every day, but most days I ask him to give us a passion for his word. I ask him to give us a passion for prayer and I ask him to give us a passion to share the gospel with others And I see him answering that prayer in our life. I see him answering that prayer as our kids want to pray with us. I see him answering that prayer as little Abigail wants to go to prayer meetings. That's crazy, but she wants to be at prayer meetings. I see it as he's given us this desire to read the word and share it with other people. And so I know that he answers that prayer. So ask him, ask him for that passion, those desires, and he will give you the desires He'll put those desires in your heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Finish the race strong. And then one day, 
Just like Adam Raccoon in the story, we will be at the top of Victory Mountain and Jesus will give us our enduring prize that will last forever. We get to be in eternity with him. And just as we sang this morning, we will get to sing and cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's my prayer for us today, that we would run that race and finish strong. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you so much for your great love for us. Lord, I thank you that you love us so much that you sent Jesus into this world, that we don't have to do this world, this life alone because you are there with us every step of the way. Lord, that you love us so much that you don't want us to be caught up in sin. Father, I pray that you would help us to understand how damaging sin is. Help us to understand the weight of our sin the weight of these things that hinder our walk with you so that we would throw them off. Lord, I pray that the Christians in New Prune, that this church and your body, Lord, would be people who are so passionate about you. Lord, replace our desires with your desires, to have a passion and a desire to read your word, a passion and desire for prayer and to share the gospel with everybody around us, Lord. I pray that your church would shine so bright that we wouldn't just be people who call ourselves Christians, but that we would be self-disciplined in our faith. Lord, I ask that you would change that desire in me. Forgive me, Lord, for taking things into my own hands and for neglecting these disciplines that you've called us to have because you know that this is the best way to do life life with you. Lord, we pray for those that we know who aren't running this race, who have not come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, we pray for their hearts that they would be open, that they would turn to you, that there would be repentance. Lord, I pray that we would be repentant. Thank you that you always give us the words to say when we are listening to you. Father, may we draw near to you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for loving us, for guiding us, and that we're able to sing and praise you together. Just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.